today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God, true to His Word, because He has a covenant with Israel, and He made a promise to David that the Savior of the world would come from His lineage. And what the Assyrians were trying to do is not only depose the king, they were trying to completely destroy Jerusalem. God can't let that happen, because God has a covenant because of who He is in spite of them in spite of them. He's not doing this for them. He's doing this again because he has a covenant with them. How often do you think of the word covenant? Outside of real estate or home ownership, the word may not be an everyday part of your vocabulary. But as Pastor J.D. will reveal to us today, we are recipients of a covenant, a promise from God. And that's something solid and sure. Be certain he will take care of you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The Holy One of Israel in truth, the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a determined end in the midst of all the land. Therefore, verse 24, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that. (laughs) If I'm in Judah at this time, and the prophet Isaiah proclaims this, and prophesies this, and declares this, and says this, don't be afraid of Assyria. Uh, Isaiah, with all due respect, as a prophet of God, they're on their way. They're coming, and they're going to invade us and they're going to leave a wake of destruction in their path, as they always do. And you're saying, don't be afraid. We are paralyzed in fear. No, don't be afraid. And here's why. Listen, he shall strike you with the rod, and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt, for yet a very little while, and the indignation will cease, as will my anger in their destruction. In other words, I'm going to allow them to come, and judgment will come, and yet a very little while my anger will be satiated, and my indignation will cease. And the Lord, verse 26, of hosts, will stir up a scourge for him 
like the slaughter of Medean, again a reference to Gideon, we talked about that last week, at the rock of Oreb, as his rod was on the sea, speaking of Moses at the Red Sea, so will he lift it up in the manner of Egypt. It shall come to pass in that day, verse 27, that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Uh, Some commentators have suggested that better translated, this would be because of the anointed one. Why is that important? Why do I emphasize that? Because this is not, he's not doing this because of them. He's doing this because he has a covenant with them. He's made a promise to them. He is not going to let them be completely and utterly destroyed by the Assyrians. The Assyrians have a limit to that which God will allow them to do as the instrument of judgment and correction, the rod of correction in His hand. And they can do no more. They can do no more. God will limit the enemy in our lives. God will only allow the enemy to do that which God will allow him to do to correct us, discipline us, chastise us. Why? Because he loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't bother. That's how we know we're his children, the writer of Hebrews says. I mean, right? You know you're a child of God when you get a spanking, because he's your child. I mean, you're his child, right? If I'm in a restaurant, which I'm not anymore, (laughs) everything's takeout now. But let's just say, for purpose of illustration, I'm in a restaurant, and I'm sitting across from a family with young children. And they are so disorderly, and they're running around, they're throwing food all over the place, and mom and dad aren't doing anything. Let's just say, again, purpose of illustration, I would never do this. I don't think I would do this, but (laughs) I get up from the table, and I give those children a good spanking. (gasps) You can't do that. Why? because they're not your kids. Oh, so let's say that you see somebody get up and give them a spanking. Oh, you must be the parent. Yeah, because that's my kid. And I'm disciplining them. That's how you know. I mean, other than the genetic, you know, similarities. I mean, look, they look like you. (laughs) Chip off the old block. Thank God for my wife's gene pool with our children, but that's how you know. And that's how we know that we're His, because He chastises us. Don't despise the chastening, the discipline of the Lord. It's because He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves His people. Again, never think for a moment that God takes delight in this. It's not that God wants to do this, God has to do this. You know, when our children were young, we used to tell them that, you know that, you've said this, right, to your kids, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. 
like children at that age believe you when you say that? It's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me? What? And then we'll say something like this, I'm doing this because I love you. To which the child usually responds, I wish you would love me less. <laughs> but if you think about it, if you didn't love them, fine, go ahead. I don't care. I don't love you. You want to destroy your life? Fine, go ahead, go ahead. That's a horrible way to say it, but you know, sometimes I wonder, do, do we see God that way? Do we misunderstand the correction, the rod of correction in our lives? Sometimes, I know in my own life, I've misunderstood, misinterpreted the correction of God as God being angry with me. God's not angry with me. God loves me. He loves me enough to correct me and discipline me. My problem was, and it took me a long time to learn this, but what I was doing, <laughs> greatly erring in doing so, was I was looking at my Heavenly Father through the eyes of my earthly father, who was always angry, disciplined in anger. And so I just naturally assumed that whenever I got disciplined, I, that God was angry with me. He's not angry with me. He's not angry with you. He loves you so much. And He loves His people. And He will restore them. And a remnant will return. This is a correction and a redirection. And did you catch where Isaiah says to them that you will never rely on anyone else ever again? You know, we just got done in Second Chronicles where King Asa is confronted. You know what he did? He basically did the same thing that the other kings did. He made an alliance, relied upon the king of Syria, made an alliance with them, depended on them and not the Lord. And by the way, uh, that was Second Chronicles 15. When you get to Second Chronicles 16, I want to say it's about verse 9. It's a passage, a verse I'm sure you're familiar with. You've heard it before. It goes something like this. Don't you know that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hearts fully devoted to Him so He can be strong on their behalf? That was to, through a prophet, a prophecy to King Asa, after he had made this alliance with and relied upon and gave the credit to Syria instead of the Lord. No flesh is going to glory in my presence. Oh, you're, you're relying on them. You're giving the credit to them. It actually worked out. It actually succeeded, which is even worse. It was a strategy that actually worked. But the problem was, is that he made this alliance with this enemy nation who, this is exactly what Assyria does. They turn on God's people and destroy God's people. You're making a deal with the devil, man. And you do so to your own peril. 
and I love you so much, I've got to teach you a lesson. And this is the only way that I can do it. I have to allow the Assyrians to come against you. And I think of that proverb, I uh, can't think offhand of the chapter and verse, but it goes something like this, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to live at peace with him. That goes the other way too, right? When your ways are displeasing to the Lord, He'll allow the Assyrians in your life to come against you, and He'll use them as the rod of correction in your life. Well, verse 28, He has come to Iath, He has passed Migron. Now picture this, the Assyrians are coming, and it's, it's like this wave as they approach Judah. He has passed Migron at Michmash. He has attended to his equipment. They have gone along the ridge. They have taken up lodging at Geba. Ramah is afraid. Gibeah of Saul has fled. Lift up your voice, O daughter of Galim. Cause it to be heard as far as Laish. O poor Anathoth. In other words, all of these cities as the Assyrians descend on the way. Madmena has fled. The inhabitants of Gabim seek refuge. As yet he will remain at Nob that day. He will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. They're there. <laughs> Behold the Lord. The Lord of hosts will lop off the bow with terror. Those of high stature will be hewn down, and the haughty will be humbled. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. Oh, the imagery here. You know, the mighty cedars of Lebanon, my birthplace. The cedar. I guess the, the best comparison for us modern day would be the, um, in uh, California, what, what are they, what are they called? Redwood, right? Pray for me. It's, it's even worse than that, actually. Those big, mighty redwoods. So we had an online member uh, actually brought, brought me a, what a wonderful gift, a small piece of a, of a redwood, and then uh, pictures of these, I don't know how old they are. I mean, the, the trunks of these trees are like as big, they would fill the sanctuary here. Huge! That's what the cedars of Lebanon was. Why do I point that out? Because what God is saying, yeah, I know that the Assyrians look mighty and large and strong. And I mean, they're in fact, they're already here. I'm going to cut them down like the cedars of Lebanon. I'm going to humble them. And we know what happens, right? 185,000 men descend on Judah. They're encamped around about Jerusalem. And God, true to His word, because He has a covenant with Israel, and He made a promise to David that the Savior of the world 
would come from his lineage. And what the Assyrians were trying to do is not only depose the king, they were trying to completely destroy Jerusalem. God can't let that happen because God has a covenant because of who he is in spite of them, in spite of them. He's not doing this for them. He's doing this again because he has a covenant with them. So let's just take a moment here and picture this in our mind's eye. Isaiah has just said to them, do not be afraid of this Syrian. And here they come, and we're hearing about all these towns. They're all running for their lives, and they're on their way, and now they're there. And God says, I'll take care of this now. I'm going to take care of this for my glory. I'm going to do this because of who I am. And so an angel of the Lord is sent and kills all 185,000 of these men that had descended on Judah from Assyria. And the, the detail in the narrative is that the Israelites wake up in the morning and there's 185,000 dead Assyrians all around the city. That's why you're not to be afraid. I want to draw a parallel here. And it's something that, as I spent some time with the Lord this last week, you might say that the Assyrian, our Assyrian, is advancing against us to destroy us. It's just a matter of time. They're on their way. It's happening. And what the Lord ministered to me was, like with them then, it's the same for us now. Do not be afraid of them. Because truth be known, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, <laughs> and we're in good company, by the way, throughout Scripture so many times. I think of Joshua. He comes to mind. Do not be afraid. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Yeah, but do you know what they're coming with next? It's the stroke of a pen away. It's the click of a mouse away. That's, that's what's coming. The Assyrians are coming. And they're seeking to destroy us. And they're so evil, what they're planning. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't be afraid. I'll take care of it. Yeah, but they're here. 185,000 of them. I know. How cool is that? Watch me now. Watch me now. God's going to have the final word. God's going to have the final word. Because in the end, it is God who gets the glory. One last thing. I was thinking about Ezekiel 38. You know, we talk about this a lot, this prophecy where there's this alliance of nations that invades Israel with Russia, Iran, and Turkey at the helm. And they come against, and, I, and what reminded me of it was, when Isaiah the prophet declares that it's going to happen in one day, and it did, it was really actually one night. The same thing is going to happen when Ezekiel 38 is fulfilled. 
you've got this great horde, this, this alliance of nations, superpowers, nuclear superpowers that are coming against little Israel, like the Assyrians then. And God says, no, no, I'll take care of this. Watch me now. And there's an interesting detail at the end of chapter 38, because God says, here's why I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this this way, so that they will know that I am the Lord God. That's why I'm going to do it. So there's no mistake, so we're clear. I did that. No, it's the Israel, it's the Israeli Defense Force. No. I did it. I did it. I am the Lord God. Throughout the Old Testament, when God would have, particularly Moses, have Aaron say to the people, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. Say with me on this. Have you ever ask yourself where the emphasis was, because I mean it's just words, the Word of God certainly, but it's words on the pages of our Bible. So the, the emphasis can be, I am the Lord your God, I'm the Lord your God, or I believe the emphasis is on I. I. <laughs> the king of Assyria says, I, I did this. No. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. So we're clear. I am the one who gets all the glory. I am the Lord your God. Loving Father in heaven, I think that when I pray this and say this, I do so with the agreement of everyone that is here, that there is no way, it's really impossible for us to thank you enough for what you did for us. Lord, thank you for purchasing us, paying in full the price. Thank you for dying on the cross, defeating death in your resurrection. Thank you for the good news that soon and very soon you're coming back to take us out of this world. We believe it is sooner than any of us can imagine. And we need this to remind us that there is a remnant, that you will have the final word. Just as you have defeated death, you will defeat the enemy of our soul. And as you said to them then, in celebrating that Passover with them, that you are eagerly awaiting that day, and so too, Lord, do we eagerly await, fervently desire. It's just too high for our understanding that that day, very soon we believe, is coming. Oh, Lord, come quickly, Maranatha. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.